0: Baptism of fire for Oscar Rutherford here. Josh Parrish with you on the EPL show on an eventful Wednesday night at FNR. Uh, Don't know if you want to peek behind the scenes or not, but uh, we've had some internet connectivity problems. Uh, So we've... Tried turning it off and on again several times, that was my seems suggestion. to have done the trick. Uh, but yeah, first off, Oscar, thank you for all your technical support throughout the evening. That's what you're here for.
1: Absolutely. Uh, it's really playing to my strengths. I'm glad I'm, I'm already a valuable, a valuable contributor to the, to the FNR team.
0: So regular viewers of the, uh, the EPO show may realize that a regular host, Nick Hughes, is not with us this evening. Uh, that's because he has graduated today. So, massive congratulations uh, to Nick Hughes. But we've gone out and replaced our resident Liverpool fan with our resident Everton fan.
1: Well, it's a, it's a bold label, but I'll take it. Yep, sure. <laughs> if anything, you know, yeah. Well, that, that... I
0: don't think you you nail your colours to the mast quite like Nick Hughes does.
1: No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put my. I wouldn't make that claim so strongly. But like, you know, if I had an allegiance, that's where it would lie. Yeah, that's fair.
0: So tonight we've got a big show. We're going to be chatting to station favourite Johnny Gould about his beloved Aston Villa, former member of the uh, Supporters Trust, uh, a broadcaster of some repute over in the UK and just the biggest Aston Villa fan we've, I think, ever come across. So he's probably mourning the departure of Jack Grealish, but welcoming the arrival of Stephen Gerrard to the hot seat over at Villa Park and it's a pretty special occasion for Stevie G on his return to Anfield over the weekend.
1: Yeah, it definitely was big day for for both clubs, and particularly for Stevie G's. Obviously, obviously, we'll talk more to Johnny about it, but mm. I'm sure he'll he'll be in a buoyant mood considering how his how his side's going because they're they're looking pretty good. Got another win this morning, feeling good.
0: Yeah, it's he's been uh, quite a start for him. I don't know if it's banning catch up that's done the trick. Uh, I look, we're, we're going to get into it with Johnny as to yeah. the. Uh, as the factors behind uh, his early success there, uh, but first let's start with the number of penalties that decided games over the weekend. It's uh, maybe the Barclays Penalty League. We should rename it.
1: There were quite a few, weren't there? And mm. and and a lot of them decisive. I think. I mm. mean, you think of the City game. You think of the Liverpool game, the United game. Lots of penalties. Um, which, of course, as always, brings brings VAR back into focus as we as we continue to question whether it's benefiting the game or not. Maybe that's not a question anymore. Um, Yeah. Some odd calls, though. Some odd calls. I mean, Mm. I think the um, the there there was a penalty in the Leicester-Newcastle game, which was odd, which was odd and wasn't overturned. But, yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah, a few interesting decisions. I mean, I've seen a few takes flying around. Um, Adam Crafton of The Athletic. It's not the, it's not VAR. It's the officials. Mm. But, I mean, if the officials have seen it once and they make the wrong call, I think people can forgive it. But when there's VAR, you kind of expect all the referees to get everything right. And I don't think that's a fair spotlight to be putting on officials. I do think VAR is the issue here.
1: Yeah. and it, I guess it becomes really complicated. Mm. I mean, this is beyond the discussion of penalties at this point when we talk about the subjectivity of calls and the difficulty mm. of even if a call is like 70-30 wrong, do you stick with that kind of thing because you can at least understand why why, why that decision might have been made? Mm-hmm. And so I think there were a few instances of that over the weekend in the Premier League. Uh, and, and and I have a bit of sympathy as to that position, which is to say that there's human error and there should still be a, an amount of that and that there isn't, you know, an, an objectively correct call every single time.
0: So Manchester, man, let's get into the specific decisions. Uh, Manchester City versus Wolves. Uh into the armpit of was mm. Xiao Matinho. Yeah, what was your view on that one? Because mine, at first glance, looked like a clear penalty. Arm was well above his head, uh, but then on the replay, didn't look like it actually hit the part of his arm that was supposed to count
1: as handball. Well, I'm just really confused as to why his arm was up there in the first mm. place. To be honest, like, yeah, I, I think that in many ways, the referees were more okay to go with that because it's it's punishing a player who's recklessly using their arms in a defensive manner and, and you know wh- i don't know why you do that you know that this has been happening for mm. a long time so in, in that sense i'm kind of I, I i i get the call i get the call I, I i i don't think that there was enough maybe to be overturned just oh gee i say these things and then yeah. i doubt myself and i go <laughs> mate, oh. it's it's tough isn't it because i don't think anyone really knows what a handball is no
0: um there are that many players who've been punished for just leaving their hand by their side and then having the ball crossed into them. So I can understand the impulse to throw your hand trying to away from the ball's trajectory. I think he did more harm than good doing that. Yeah. Um but, you know, aside from defending with your arms behind your back, which is what some defenders in those positions resort to, I'm not sure what you can really do these days to get away with it. I
1: think the trend has been to be more forgiving of of a player who has their arm by their sides over the maybe this season, that's kind of been less Mm -hmm. punishable. And so in that sense, they might be going harder when your arm's far away from your body as it was for Giammatinia. So uh, at least there's some method to that, I guess. Mm -hmm. If They say that if you keep your arms by your side, you're significantly more likely to be protected, which I think is what they've generally been doing this season.
0: Uh, Manchester United versus Norwich. What was your view on that one?
1: well, Ronaldo's a good player, isn't he? he, he he's good to have. He, he, yeah, so obviously the, the second Premier League game for Ralph Ragnick, uh another 1-0 win, so back-to-back clean sheets. Uh, but I'd say in both games, but particularly the Norwich game, United mm-hmm. definitely could have conceded, definitely maybe got a bit fortunate at times. So it, it hasn't quite clicked yet, but I think that's completely okay from a United perspective. You don't expect it to straight away if it's, it's if it's a whole kind of philosophical revolution, a, a fundamental mm-hmm. change to the functioning of the club, which is what it's being built as, then you know, getting scrappy wins to start is kind of ideal. It's the best-case scenario.
0: Absolutely. I mean, just getting the result is probably enough for Ranik at this point. I don't think, given it's a new regime and a vastly different tactical setup, uh, anyone is expecting big things early. But I also do wonder what the feedback Solskjaer would have got if he put in these exact same... Performances because neither win has been particularly impressive
1: for my money. Yeah, but I guess that's when you say that Solskjaer's had time. Like, like if, if this were, Is a, that shot, a lot longer. Than, yeah, like if that, if those were performances from from Solskjaer teams. You'd be going like, surely you've come up with something better by this. Point. Mm. Surely, surely you ha- should have your team more f- functioning better and, sure. and have a system more in place. Whilst whilst there's you know consistently more sympathy for if, if you're implementing a new play style and and you know you're just playing your first couple of games maybe it hasn't 100% clicked yet and that, and that kind of makes sense and that kind of, that's i think what it looks like they look like a team that are that are in transition that are changing the way that they're playing and haven't quite ironed out all the cracks yet and you know and if they keep getting wins while that's happening then that's obviously the ideal outcome
0: speaking of penalties Chelsea versus Leeds 3-2 it finished a 94th minute penalty Jorginho's second of the contest buried both Chelsea a bit fortunate here to get over the line in such dramatic circumstances.
1: I definitely think so. I think I think Leeds played really well. Mm. I, d- I didn't think Chelsea were that great. I think that Chelsea started both halves well and then kind of faded as the game went. Leeds kind of got on top of the. They won the midfield battle for, for mm-hmm. large portions of it. Um, looked like they grabbed a point near the end, but but uh, as you say, a couple of penalties. But just just on those penalties, they were they were both really really bizarre. I don't understand what's going through the player's mind so the both both the penalties challenges on Antonio Rudiger of all players on the edge of the penalty area so hardly you know someone that you're you're panicking desperately because he's got the ball and he's going to you know maneuver in the tight spaces really well and fire in his shot like that's not really the threat and the first one in particular was I think Rafinha who made the challenge when rudiger's mm-hmm. you know, effectively on the goal line with the ball and in the, in the edge of the penalty I've got no idea why you'd go flying in like he did. Um, initially not given from memory, but then overturned by VAR, and I get why. I get, he, he he went through the player, um, but but I just don't know why you'd open yourself up to that risk because Leeds didn't. I'm going to say they didn't deserve to lose that game, but it's also their own fault. So yeah. you know that it was it was their errors for, for all of the, for all of the goals, particularly the penalties, which were just really really strange.
0: Leeds have been making a lot of mistakes this season. It's really killed them. I mean, I I still think they're good enough to stay up. There's certainly three worse teams than them, but it's not looking as comfortable as you might have thought for Marcelo Bielsa, especially after today's game. 7-0 against Manchester City. Yes, Leeds take risks that other teams don't and maybe leave themselves open to these types of score lines if things begin to go south. But, I mean, what did you make of that? Because... It, it, was it just City being absolutely irresistible or was it Leeds being diabolical or a combination of the two?
1: So Leeds took, I think, four points from Man City in the Prem last season. Mm-hmm. So they, they're, they're clearly not incapable. The Bielsa, side isn't inca- the, the Bielsa style isn't incapable of matching up with the Guardiola style. But I think it's one of those things when, when you've got two teams who are going toe-to-toe, they're, they're both sticking to their game style and, and firing at each other. If one of those teams is just a couple percentage points lower down or, or, or just slightly off their game, then that, then that, I guess, uh, difference feels really exacerbated. You feel like there's a huge gap between the teams, and that's what it looked like uh, uh, this morning uh, in that game. Just whilst we're on Leeds, I think it's important to point out that they do have a bit of an injury crisis going on at the mm. moment. I think so. Liam Cooper's out at the back, along with Stroke, along with Robin Cock, uh, Amongst others, there, there's there's a few other players who are missing who are slipping my mind at the moment, which is great. Yep. Calvin Phillips obviously is, yep. is the big one, so they're they're really struggling in that sense. Uh, in the fullback position this morning, Jamie Shackleton went off injured, and Junior Firpo picked up a yellow card, which means he's suspended. So I don't know what they're going to do on the weekend against Arsenal. So there, there there are lots of things out of Bielsa's control that are making this particularly difficult. But yeah, they were. It it, it was a no contest this morning with City. City were just way too sharp, way too good.
0: I think sometimes when City win by that many goals, it doesn't actually benefit them. I remember this in the FA Cup final, and I think Guardiola was starting to look increasingly worried that year when they smashed Watford. And it was like, actually, this is starting to expose how unfair football really is at the top level, and that's not in City's interests to be exposing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I like the idea that the Guardiola's worrying going, we're going to blow our covers soon. Soon they'll know know how much more money we spent than Leeds and that'll be a disaster once people find that Mm -hmm. out. Um, But, well, yeah, well, that's right. I think, really, I think the difference for the Leeds game was we, we saw what having a deep squad can do for a team. And City have a whole bunch of players that they can rotate in, whilst for Leeds, when they've got the injuries, I mean, Bielsa played the same eleven this morning as he did on the weekend, so you know, and that really shone through because they just didn't have the sharpness mm. or the or the 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 energy that the City side came out with, and the fact that they scored two goals in the first fifteen minutes, they broke the Leeds spirit, if you will, and and it was a it was a romp from there.
0: Well, I mean, a romp it was, and. uh Certainly, City are stamping their authority on the Premier League. Liverpool still with the game in hand, of course. Four points down. City on 41 points. 40 goals scored, nine conceded. They are absolutely flying at the Mm -hmm. moment. And with a pretty favourable Champions League draw, you'd fancy them in that competition as well.
1: That gold conceded record is incredible to have only conceded nine at this stage.
0: They suffocate games. It's almost like there's not another team involved. It's just where the City can do the things that City do to get over the line and generate their scoring opportunities. It's, it's almost a game style uh, designed not to, you know, take turns. You have a go, we have a go, like, say, Liverpool. Mm. It's, it seems like it's more open and the other team could score at any time and there's more jeopardy. City, I find their game's quite hard to watch sometimes, even though they are such exhibitions, mm. because it seems like they've got a ball, the ball in a string and the other team frequently doesn't have a hope.
1: I think one of the commentators this morning was like, um, I I think Leeds had wished they'd brought their own ball to this game because, you know, that's what (laughs) it looked like. Um, Yeah, and I I read a stat that it was something like Leeds had maybe four touches in City's penalty area in the first half or something ridiculous like that, and and it's absolutely right. I mean, Leeds just could not break through the City press whatsoever. The whole game just about was spent within, you know, five metres of Leeds' penalty Mm -hmm. box, and, and that... Like, that, that's what you're saying. Every time that Leeds tried to break through... I mean, the game against Chelsea, Leeds were able to do it at the weekend. They were able to have moments where they got through or they played their way through. But against City, they got nowhere. They, they'd resort to a long ball over the top and then Ruben Diaz would be there and just cut it out and rinse, repeat, go again.
0: All right. Well, uh, we've got plenty more to come on this show. We're going to be chatting to Aston Villa fan and broadcaster Johnny Gould very shortly uh, via Zoom link from the UK. Um, we're also going to hear from Arsenal fan Pakua Frimpong a little bit later. Uh, she is pretty unhappy with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Uh, we're going to have a bit of a debate about that. And uh, we've still <laughs> got to discuss this botched Champions League draw uh, that's led to Florentino Perez blowing his top and uh, Manchester United drawing Atletico Madrid, even though previously they'd been put in a pot that uh, wouldn't have allowed them to. So plenty more still to come here on the EPL show on FNR. Welcome back to the EPL show here on FNR Football Nation Radio. I'm Josh Parrish here with Oscar Rutherford and we're delighted to be joined by a station favourite. We haven't spoken to you in a little while. Broadcaster, Aston Villa superfan, Johnny Gould. Welcome back to FNR.
2: Always a pleasure to join you on FNR, guys. How are you?
0: Yeah, we're doing really well, mate. Uh, Tell us about the Villa because they've got a new manager in charge. It's only Stephen Gerrard. He had an emotional return to Anfield that I think everyone was trying to play up the significance of except him.
2: Absolutely. And the way he answered the questions about what will it be like to stand before the Liverpool crowd as a genuine legend, one of the only legends, I think, of the post-glory era of Liverpool, the Bob Paisley, Bill Shankly, Joe Fagan, Kenny Dalglish era, perhaps alongside people like Michael Owen and and Robbie Fowler. He said, look, I'm just there for Aston Villa. And rather than that antagonize Liverpool fans, I think that they respect it. Mm. And we certainly do at Villa Park, because this is a handbook of how to turn yourself from a great player into a great manager. So often we see great players not make the transition into coaching But here's a guy who looks like the real deal Holyfield. He looks like he's going to have a managerial career at the same level that he had as a player. And he just inspires immense confidence. And I congratulate him on his vision of joining Aston Villa, but also to our ownership of uh, Sawiris and Edens and Christian Perslow of really sort of looking at this guy at Rangers and thinking, well, yeah, he's broken the Celtic hold on scotland but is that enough and boy oh boy it is i really think four matches in with four wins out of six six matches in and the only defeats are to liverpool and manchester city in which case we came out of those with a lot of credit anyway um it's really exciting
0: it must be um talking about garnering the respect of the fans with this liverpool thing and not making Villa feel like some stepping stone or inferior club. I have uh, vague recollections of Gerard Houllier, uh, the late Gerard Houllier, turning up to to Liverpool in, in sort of vaguely similar circumstances as Villa manager and sort of, uh, I would say, treating it as a bit of a, a victory lap, a return home, and it didn't seem like the task to hand was that important to him. So I think it's an important, important contrast for, for, uh, for Gerard to show that this means business and and the Villa job is where his focus is.
2: Uh, absolutely. I mean, Ullier was towards the end of his career. As we learned, it was his last senior job. And, of course, he uh, left because of his heart condition. Poor poor Gerard, rest in peace. Um, but with Stephen, um, I think you're absolutely right. And there's something else here at play which made me think. When he picked the Aston Villa job, which surprised me, quitting Rangers so early, I thought he'd hang around Rangers win your average treble, win a few doubles, win a cup, retain the Scottish Premier League, you know, come down to Liverpool in eight years' time when Jurgen Klopp decided to head back for the national team job or, I don't know, something else. I return to Borussia Dortmund, maybe with a smiling <laughs> face, you know. Uh, but I think what he's done, and I think this is very, very clever, is that he's looked at David Moyes at Manchester United and thought, what's the point... Of following Klopp because Klopp has restructured, reinvented, and put Liverpool back at the top post Ferguson at United, and to follow that is extremely difficult. And of course, he could tarnish his reputation a little bit, like if I might say Frank Lampard has done at Chelsea. He may, he may get another chance to manage Chelsea as an older coach, but he has to start, start, start again. And uh, you know, he's been out of uh, work now, probably by choice. For some time. So Stephen is playing this extremely intelligently. And I think he looks at Aston Villa and, and, and I mean, really, I mean, if you look at last night's win over Norwich, I mean, it was made out of our Youth Cup team, our Youth Cup winning side. You know, Carney comes on and he's a sublime player, brilliant player. Mm. Jacob Ramsey is making the headlines because he scores the goals and he's broken into the first team earlier. But Carney... Whoa! What a—I mean, he's sublime. He's wonderful footballer. He's got massive paddles of legs. He kind of—he's just so so big and commanding and talented in a sort of Vieira kind of way, Mm. but in a more attack-minded orientation. But uh, uh, there wasn't really much wrong with Aston Villa when Dino got sacked. All all he was guilty of was losing five games in a row. And and I think Stephen understood that that Dino was extremely unlucky hmm. to lose his job because Aston Villa are in rude health. He walks into a club on the ascendancy despite a very bad October. That's all it was. So he's got loads of intelligence <laughs> up there. Stevie, I'm a big fan. i I really I really admire the guy. I really admire him. There aren't many guys I truly admire in football and respect because, you know, it's not always an environment for respect, is it? But there are but there are a few of the elite guys, like Steve and Gerald, who I really, really admire and and um, he's used football as his education and I really respect that on so many levels.
1: So you talked about how, you know, there wasn't much going wrong. At Villa, when Dino was there, still, but obviously Stevie's come in, got four wins from six. So, what in your mind has has you like changed? What what's been different at Villa since Stephen came in?
2: The fortunes of the first team. David Dean, the vice chairman of Arsenal of old, once told me that if the first team is winning, then the rest of the football club follows. And Dean Smith didn't get that bit right. He's changed the midfield. We have a much more commanding style. He sorted the defence out. I think it's fair to say that we were beginning to lose matches and command of midfield and defence. It was taking a long time to assimilate those new players. And I think Steven Gerrard has immediately changed the mechanic of the side. Uh, One of the players who have significantly improved under Gerrard is Marvellous Nakamba. Now, sadly... He's now probably out for the rest of the season, which is such an awful shame. And, you know, we're not the only club to have lost players to serious injuries. We think um, of Wesley and Tom Heaton a couple of seasons ago, and they, their, their careers never really recovered from that. I'm um, just hoping that uh, Nakamba can sort of get himself down. Take that period of uh, uh, out the game and really, really concentrate like he's a first team player because he was doing so well. He was really one of our most improved players, uh, probably our most improved player. So that that's a blow. So he's 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 he's, he's building people up. That that mm. Liverpool thing he did in the European Cup final against Milan, you know, when he scored the header. Mm. He's really doing that to the team, and uh, he's fantastic. I'm, I've got nothing bad to say, nothing.
0: So it's got nothing to do with banning tomato sauce then?
2: (laughs) Well, look, if I was manager, I wouldn't do that, but I'd probably get sacked (laughs) and celebrate with a chip butty. (laughs) Uh,
0: One thing I do notice about this Villa team under Gerrard and talking about differences, they seem to be really like firing in the challenges. They seem to be a little bit harder, a bit rougher. And, you know, Gerrard's Rangers side were the same. They were... Uh, quite a disciplined defensive side, not necessarily defensive approach, but uh, they they didn't take a backward step in the challenge. Does That endear them to the supporters. The uh, because there were a number of big tackles flying in in uh, in the Liverpool actual yeah. away.
2: Look, he's he's combative. He was a combative player. I mean, Aston Villa fans will remember how George Boateng was lucky to get with get away with him his walking again when he absolutely chopped him down from the knee as a yeah. Liverpool player at Anfield. It's a game we won 3-1 and Gerard is an extremely combative player. Um, and unfortunately, in the modern game, you have to be a bit rough and tough. You have to be rough and tough throughout the 150 years of football, to be honest. Uh, and uh, he's, he's brought that with him. And uh, he also, I think he, he he put the scaries up a few players. He yeah. said to Tyrone Mings publicly, he said, look, you're captain for now. Uh, we'll see how we go. And that was, you know, he didn't he didn't say that privately. He said that to the press. Um, so, yeah, they're a bit scared there. And that's how football should be there. You know, they should be a left back uh, for Matty Target. There should be, um, you know, a, a centre forward that can challenge Ollie Watkins. Um, you know, we, we can make them interchangeable with Danny Ings, even if they're different players. And it, we have... A, a, um, a conveyor belt of youth cup players who are coming in and really challenging and I'm reminded of what Alan Hansen said you'll win nothing with kids maybe we will win something mm. with kids it's it's very very exciting down at Villa Park because we've got players who are on loan at the moment who are also star players Cameron Archer is, is at the club he's just signed a new contract but we have players like um, I'm having a senior moment I've just lost uh, uh, Louis Barry at Ipswich yeah uh you know we we've got good players on loan uh, out there uh and they're gonna come back um and it's exciting because we we're gonna have home growth we're gonna have, we're gonna have lots of interviews after the game with brummy voices, so beware guys, beware I'll do the translations <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna ask you about a not so brummy player but a nonetheless important one for Villa. Emmy uh, Buendia, obviously the the big money signing uh, over the summer uh, from Norwich, started this morning against his former club, did okay, you know, started well, looked like he, he was up for it a bit. How, how I guess, do you see Stephen Gerrard as being really important in kind of taking him to the next level in that Villa side? Because he hasn't quite hit the ground running as maybe you would have hoped.
2: Any player who has potential that's not realising it is a target for Stephen Gerrard. Uh, Emiliano Buendia is one of them Um, I think he will give him opportunities to perform he's a very important player he's Jack Grealish's direct replacement that can't be straightforward can't be easy for him Um, he was so up for it last night Uh, he got booed at the uh, when he got substituted Um, now look I mean I don't know the ins and outs of Norwich City just as um, fans from outside Aston Villa and commentary. I don't understand how we feel about Jack Grealish leaving Villa. There was a lot of booing for him as well, and people don't understand that outside the club. So he kind of he disappointed people when he left. He was up for it, as you say, but maybe his um, excitement and trying to prove himself overawed him slightly. There's a bit of that up there, especially with a flare player like him. He's so skillful, and um, I'm, I remember Graham Taylor once saying to me, "A flare player like that only needs." About twenty or twenty-five minutes of the ninety minutes to perform, and if he doesn't do that, uh, it suddenly looks like a bad performance. It's not, um, and he needs special treatment, I think, from Stephen Gerrard because he is—he's a showman, mm. and we need creativity in the field.
0: I mean, Jack Grealish certainly was that. Uh, I yeah. honestly I watch him at City and I I think it's a bit of a crime against football that Jack Grealish has to play for Pep Guardiola and follow all his instructions because they have these interchangeable uh. attacking midfield and uh, inside forward players that I mean does it really matter which of them are on the field I guess it kind of does with, with Bernardo Silva but I feel as if Grealish is yet to to break out of the Guardiola straitjacket at all and I I always preferred it when he was just allowed to do his own thing at at Villa Park and and sort of freelance, I suppose.
2: Exactly. He's left a family business and joined a corporate.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
2: You know, um, and, you know, he was allowed to be the playmaker. And so often in football, uh, managers say, whatever you do, when you get the ball, pass it to the star player. Uh, That was what Sir Ralph Ramsey said to all his players, when you get the ball, give it to Bobby Charlton. Alan Ball told me that, and of course he was a World Cup winner in that team. Alan Ball then used to say to me, when he was Southampton manager, he said, when you're a Southampton player, when you get the ball, give it to Matthew Letizia. Yeah. And <laughs> this was why we lost lots of games when Jack was injured. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a very incisive point you make. Um, he's having to... Adopt himself as not top of the class. He's just another player there. I think it's a terrible mistake he made. I really do. I mean, you know, there are there are, there are bigger things than football, and uh, he owned those things. Mm. He owned being a homeboy. He could have been bought a drink for the rest of his life if that was important to him. He could have been a hero in, in the city of Birmingham, and he's tarnished it. And and you know, the history. It's not just it's not just about Jack as an individual. His great-great-grandfather, was also an Aston Villa player, also represented England as an Aston Villa player, was buried in a church in Saltley, which is uh, an area near Aston. His name was Billy Garrity, and he won the FA Cup as well with with Villa. And the Germans, in the 1940s, when they were at war in the Battle of Britain, they bombed a local factory, and they also sadly, tragically bombed the churchyard where the guarantee tomb was uh, there. And of course there's no, there's no sort of ownership site yeah. of his body anymore. And like, like, I, I don't know. I just like, oh, you might not hear this in football very much in commentary on, on the radio, on television very much, but I think those things really matter. They matter more than football. Yeah. And he was offered a, a bigger contract at city. If it's about money, it wasn't about money. It was about playing club Bruges on a Wednesday night. I mean, really come on, mate. <laughs> what are you talking about? And then he went into their dressing room, which is this sky blue television set. Looks like something Dancing with the Stars or some TV show. And he goes there in his brummy accent and says, this is the most lovely and amazing thing I've ever seen. I'm so, I'm like, I'm amazed. It's brilliant. Oh, come on, Jack. It's not a show. It's not celebrity, man. Come on. But he's gone and he can't come back. No. You know, that's the truth. Never? He can't come back.
0: I mean, come on, like, give us five, ten years to mend fences, and he'll go do a return interview and say, never should have left, and it's always been his home. And so, like, I mean, football. Ten years will be finished.
2: Ten years will be finished. Five years will be towards the end of his career, by which time we'll have been champions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wanted to ask you about that, actually, because uh, there's a. An American uh, sports broadcaster that you may know called Bill Simmons, and he has this Ewing theory about teams losing their best player and then suddenly becoming better than they used to be, maybe because they're not relying on that individual so much. Could that potentially apply to Aston Villa? It didn't look like it under Dean Smith, but as we said, early days, a lot of new players trying to integrate these guys. Once this group of players and Buendia and the like really get used to each other and knit together under Gerrard, could Villa be a better team than they were with Grealish in the starting 11.
2: We're a better side now, uh, but obviously it's not making headlines because we're in ninth position, but yeah. you're absolutely right. It's happened in our history. It happened in 1981. We didn't just lose our best player, but we lost our second best player and our third best player all in the same summer. And they were sold for the equivalent today of hundred million pounds and I say that by measurement of the fact that it was the transfer record at the time. We sold Andy Gray to Wolves for one and a half million, which was the record. So therefore it's one hundred million today. We sold John Gidman to Everton for three quarters of a million pounds, therefore fifty million. Yeah. Uh, we sold John Dean to West Bromwich Albion for the equivalent of thirty million pounds, that's four hundred and fifty thousand pounds. And Brian Little got injured. So I mean, that was a crushing blow. And we went from being League Cup winners and finishing fourth to losing our way and finishing mid-table, to being the champions of England in 81 with Tony Morley, Gary Shaw, Des Bremner, Peter With, Dennis Mortimer, a survivor of that original team, Ken McNaught, uh, Jimmy Rimmer. Uh, yeah, it's been done before. And then we were European champions. There is an age-old debate with lovely old men in the uh, Villa directors' boxes who get invited between them saying oh, yeah, Villa's 1982 team was better than the 77 team. Oh, no, the 77 team was better than the 82. And then the 82 guys say, well, show me the medals. Yeah. And uh, this is the very important point. Um, that The guys who were then uh, a team of leaders rather than a bunch of star players were the real winners. So Mr. Simmons is right. And I love the Ewing theory. Is That's something to do with JR.
0: <laughs> I think it's Patrick Ewing of the New York Knicks. Uh, when all right. he left. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, that's that's basketball. This is football nation radio. We don't need to get into that.
1: So let oh, me ask yeah. you, Johnny. With all that being said, how what what can Villa achieve this season? Like like, is European football the goal, or is 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 it securing mid table? Like like, where where do you think Villa can go?
2: Progress, um, finishing higher than last season. And last season was a credit because. We were mid-table, we survived relegation on the last day of the season at West Ham the year before. So, an upward curve. Um, it would be lovely to have a cup run, that would be gravy. We got to the final of the League Cup under Dean Smith, lost to Manchester City as everyone does. Um, yeah, why not? I mean, you know, that's the great thing about football, there's always a target. Um, but I don't think there's any need to qualify for Europe this season. I would like us to plan without Europe next season because I think we can really go for it in the Cups and in the league next year without the disruption of a Thursday night game against a Romanian team you've never heard of with COVID restrictions and flying out there and playing we, the game. Sorry to interrupt, you know, Johnny, in Do English fans
0: care at all about the Europa League or even like the Europa Conference right. League?
2: Look, Wolves fans might, Leeds fans might, we might, you know, because we have memories of the UEFA Cup uh, in both the 90s and the 70s and even the noughties. Mm. Um, but, unless no, you go I mean, on a Spurs run, man. it seems like a burden, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it seemed like Spurs who got to the Champions League final and lost to Liverpool. You know, when they have a, a game against Kluge
0: yeah.
2: on a Thursday night, the attendance is 30,000 and they've got a beautiful stadium. I urge you to go. I mean, it, it rolls around. They look like peas in a pod there, you know, and, and it's boring. And the tickets are 30 quid. Or twenty quid. Um, in fact, they should pay us to go and see them. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. It's it is the Division Two of Europe, and you're made to think it as well. So it's um, yeah. Uh, look, as I say, for teams who are who don't who don't see, sit at the top table of the Champions League like us, or at least not for thirty years, um, it would be exciting. But you know what? I want us to have a clean slate next season. I don't really want Europe. Yeah, I hope that's not
1: too counterintuitive so does that mean progress entails getting the likes of Jacob Ramsey to you know have the, these kinds of runs getting you talked about Carney you know getting them playing regular first team football and, and, and contributing and growing his players at a Premier League level yeah
2: I, I love Carney because he's really impatient he said I'm not I'm not staying and the reason he's saying that is not because Borussia Dortmund are interested, and of course they have a decent track record of taking players, as do Schalke, from England's reserves and putting them in, you know, the Bundesliga because they recognise Talent the when they see it. Uh, it's put pressure on Stevie G to put Carney in there and he came on as a sub and of course he opened it up for the second goal last night brilliantly. Like he just he just holds players off. He's 18. Do you know what I mean? Really, what a what an excellent excellent player he is, and he's got that vision. He's so fluent. So look, um, I really admire Carney's, um, gung ho chutzpah. I think is the word of telling his manager, look, I'm not going to sign a contract. I want to know where I'm going. He's 18. He wants to win. He is Steven Gerrard's kind of player. He's my kind of player. And I think I'm certain he's Aston Villa's kind of player. We can't harness and create an FA Youth Cup side and sell one of our best graduates from it. That would be, that would be Jack Grealish-style heartache for me.
0: Oh, Carney Chukwamaka, remember the name, yeah. if you can say it. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, yeah. before yeah. we let you go, there's something uh, we didn't address, and that's the fact that Villa just played against Norwich. Uh, Dean Smith in the dugout. What will be the reaction of of Villa fans when Dean Smith comes back? Uh, Because we we said Jack Grealish has burned those bridges, but but Dino, pretty unlucky to get the sack, I think. Uh, Is that the general
2: feeling? They chanted his name last night. The away supporters? At 2-0. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Um, They chanted his name. They chanted his name at Uh, (laughs) 2-0. You know, obviously, if it had been 1-0 to them, I don't think we would have done, but... um, now everyone loves Dino, and um, you know it was a, a very uh, marmite decision, a Vegemite decision, mate. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should <laughs> change it to that. Yeah. Um, it was um, it was a decision that uh, split fans. Uh, I, I was very upset by it, but now I can see the merit of it. And listening to Dean last night, you know, again he was talking a little bit like Villa were a couple of seasons ago in relegation trouble. He knows he's up, he's up for a fight. He's swapped. the you know the frying pan for the fire whereas uh, we're now elevated slightly but um, every Villa fan with a heart or with a a conscious memory or a love for the area and for the football club will respect Dino forever he is one of our favourite managers and the time was glorious I have in my head uh, the playoff trophy victory where Jack's on one side and Dino's on the other side with the trophy in one hand each I mean that was that was very 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 special a lion of Lisbon's moment, if you like, the same as the Celtic winning the European Cup in '68. You know, Brum is leading the way. Wonderful stuff. Look, uh, football doesn't really engender that romance, but we'll always love. We'll always have a place for Dino. He's welcome. What a great man he is.
0: Well, Johnny, what a great man you are for joining us here on <laughs> FNR. We, we love speaking to you. We could talk to you all night, but we're running out of time here. So uh, we'll say goodbye for now and uh, get another Villa update, maybe broader Premier League chat later on in the season. If people want to check out your work, off to your Twitter feed.
2: Oh, yeah. Twitter at Johnny Gould, J-O-N-N-Y, G-O-U-L-D. Thank you, guys. Absolute pleasure,
0: Johnny. Thanks, Speak Johnny. to you again later in the season. You bet. We'll come back with uh, a bit of Arsenal chat. I think our resident Arsenal supporter, Bakua Frimpong, is pretty fired up about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, so cannot wait for that. well. To frimpong, Pong. Last breaks. I think I should have played the radio dub theme. as like WWE style. Exactly. Entrance music. I deserve that
3: kind of music when I walk in.
0: The reason we've got you on is because you started arguing with me before the show about something and I said, bottle it up, save it for the airways. Because <laughs> yeah. we don't want to... Be wasting the gold when the mics aren't on, the cameras aren't rolling.
3: That's true. That is very true.
0: So, I mean, I think this might get a little bit more confrontational. you nah. than, uh, than can be the referee. He's a, right.
3: He's a referee. He's referee.
0: <laughs> There's actually a referee shirt on the rack. We should have, we Oscar, should have got you to change yeah, have into it the yeah. ad break. Uh, but, Bakura, your beloved Arsenal. Yes. Well,
3: they're not beloved. They're just my Arsenal.
0: <laughs> your uh, team, I, team, your I burdensome haven't. Arsenal. Yeah, have. Uh, Asked well, not asked, but uh, stripped Pierre Emerick Aubameyang of the captaincy. No, no discussion involved, and uh, aired their dirty laundry in public after he turned up late after going to visit his sick mother.
3: Oh, don't know. I see what you did there. (laughs) No, no, that's not how how you frame the narrative. Surely
0: some some compassion is needed.
3: You know what? Sometimes you know what. You go to work and you tell your boss. Your boss tells you you've got to start at 7. And you say, mm-hmm. okay, boss, I'll be there at 7 o'clock for you, okay? Sometimes
0: you have a family emergency.
3: No, no. But the boss knows, you know, you're. this is the time you're going to start, okay? You know, but if you're late, your boss has the right to be angry. And it's not the first. If it's not the first time you've been late and you've been late multiple times and you haven't done the right thing, you might get fired. And that's what happened. And that's okay. He – I have – Mikhail Ateta has – his player management has not been great. I, he's mm. – like isolated some players who I think should be in the Arsenal squad. But on this instance, he's made the right call. Yang should never have been Arsenal captain. He may have been our best player, but being the best player does not allow you to be the captain of a football club and he's never equipped to be that.
0: Just because he's unsuitable for the captaincy, I don't think necessarily means that this incident was the right moment or deserved moment to strip him of it. And also the way they announced it, following his latest disciplinary breach.
3: The, okay, I, will be I mean, up. it's
0: such a passive aggressive. It, it is passive aggressive, but sometimes. Statement.
3: But people have. I I, I don't understand. People wanted Arsenal when uh, Arsenal Wenger to hold players at a higher standard when he was here, and have always said that Arsenal allow their players to get away with too much. There, you know, it was such a relaxed club. They, uh-huh. They're taking photos in the dressing room. They're relaxed after losses. When a manager comes in and decides to go, this is the firm line. These are the rules that I have set. This is the way the club is going to be run. I want the fans to respect the club and respect the players. I want the players to respect the fans and play at this level. When they people are held at that standard, we cannot suddenly go oh, that's, a bit, that's a, bit, mm. it's a bit weird, it's a bit harsh now. No, it's not. That's the standard we set at the start. So stick with it. It's not hard.
0: I mean, that, that attitude from fans, though, is surely a, a bit of a reactive one. I mean, you, you, you see the results and you think soft. But, I mean, surely this decision is going to split the dressing room. I mean, he was visiting his mum. No, no. She, he's, sorry, he's visiting his mum <laughs> and he thought he had to, speaking of isolating players, he thought he had to isolate from a COVID test. That's the reason he turned up the next day.
3: But Josh, he should have planned this. My whole thing is, I understand that his mum's sick, but you're taking a risk. You are most certainly taking a risk going there. What's he going to do to get his mum on the plane? Is he suddenly an Uber driver? Is Arsenal not paying him well enough in the wages to get his mum on the plane? I'm sure... She's sick. Josh, but this thing, he has siblings. He has other family who could have got his mum and taken him, brought her back. He didn't need to go. He he made that decision and knew the risks are with it. And risk. I mean, sick
0: people famously uh, always want to travel. I don't think it's a matter of you know money or comfort, surely.
3: No, it's I. It might not be that, but he took the risk to go there, and he knew he had to be back at Arsenal. Had to have done his COVID test and be back in time for training. He
0: misunderstood. He thought he had to get back to the UK, and then I can't.
3: Arsenal is a club that's growing cannot afford for your your captain to keep making mistakes this isn't like if mm. Josh I would be with you if this was his first ever mistake and he hadn't done anything wrong I would I would be like this is insane this is crazy why are you ostracizing a player for this but it's not his first time if it was his if it's it's multiple occasions he missed the game last season because of his own ridiculous behavior. I'm sure there's been more stuff at the club, and he. I don't think he's performed particularly well this season. That's also made Mikel Arteta go. You know what? I don't. It's not worth it. You're not worth being a captain. I'll be honest with you. Looking at that Arsenal dressing room, there's a changing of the guard, and there are players in there who are worthy to have the Arsenal captaincy. Back in the days of when Vieira had it, you know, mm. even when Cesc had it, it's we're going back to that
1: get rid of him. So if I can, you know, get a word in oh, Thanks, sorry, guys, I appreciate it. Um <laughs> no, that's fine. Um just just when, when you're talking about the, the the Arsenal captains gone by of the past and you know, so obviously we've had Aubameyang now, before that we had Jacka, yeah. before that we had Koscielny who also had some troubles.
3: Koscielny before that was actually a decent was a decent captain. Sure, in, until but, he took
1: his shirt off yeah, yeah, and revealed exactly. Bordeaux and ended, yeah. ended in tumultuous circumstances. Course, yeah. So he, in your mind is is Arteta taking this kind of action? Putting a stop to that trend of of, of ill-disciplined or or poor think, culture in the club. I think
3: he's trying to change the culture. I'm, I am. I want this to be clear. I am not. A, I think Mikel Arteta is good enough to get Arsenal in the top four and nothing further. That's the that's the expectations I have for him as a manager. But if he, along the way, can change the culture and have young players set a standard for young players to want to work hard in the days of when Arsene Wenger first started and have players at that standard, I have no issue with him taking this stance with Aubameyang at all. But,
1: but just to play Josh's advocate, um, <laughs> just going back to the boss analogy that you used, if, if but if one's boss said well, when you turned up a day late to work because your mother's sick, said now you've lost your but job. You- well, which which he hasn't really, but you know you've lost your position. Surely there's a. But uh, you, I think Josh said it, you know, does that not run the risk of no, alienating the dressing no, room? Because, because there you, has to be a human element. You have to understand it's not, it's not, there uh, are uh, people.
3: It, it's not about him going to, it's not about his mum being sick. Like, uh, his mum was sick, so Arsenal let him go. But Arsenal said, you can go and get your mum, just be back on time. Arsenal. I feel like people are like mm. are thinking that Arsenal said you can't go and yang just went and left. Arsenal agreed with him, said you most certainly can go. Just be back on time. That's yeah. Is but that she, too she much lives in a
0: remote part of France. Doesn't have a direct then why you, connection. Then why
3: don't you? Before why don't you? Can't you
0: get her? I mean, it's special dispensation, special circumstances. Like it, it just comes off airing this in public. I mean, maybe there's a, a fine involved or something. But yeah. airing this in public and saying this is the reason or, or this is the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of his uh, disciplinary in uh, this disciplinary action and his this breach. I think sends the the wrong message. I don't think players are going to want to play for Arsenal if they're going to be dragged, you know, publicly I, like this by the club.
3: Like, as I said before, I am not Mikel Arteta's number one fan. I think the way he treated Saliba particularly has been poor. I understand the way in which Guendouzi was initially treated, but I also think it was too harsh for a child... Mm that now he's playing, you know, in Liga and he's playing some decent football and William sleeper is, you know, getting in Teams of the Week for Liga and who may not come back to Arsenal. I
0: Because they've chosen to make an example of it. It's not just the but decision. But the thing
3: is, he's not he's not the first player he's chosen. He is not the first player and this is not the first reason. There have been other players who have honestly have a harsh have been dealt harsher hands than a Bamier.
0: Yeah, but I'm I'm just talking about in terms of PR management and also man management. He, they've chosen to make a public example out of Pierre or Kobamyang, where it would have been easy because he's not in form anyway to just not pick him, and now someone else wears the armband, or to do this in you know, a quieter fashion to have it, uh, you know, as a mutual thing. Is like, your
3: is your problem the action or how loud the action was?
0: I think I think the the volume of the action, shall we say, yeah. is the more. Important thing because obviously Pierre Emerick Emer- Aubameyang is not the right person to be Arsenal captain at I this point in time. Sure. He's out of form. He's not really a leader. I don't think he's the right personality for it. I don't think he should have been given the armband in the first place. I will say so. That. I agree that he shouldn't be the captain, but to strip it from him in this way, in this public fashion, I think is needlessly cruel and unusual.
3: I, for me, I have no issue with the action. I, I, I can, I can agree. Uh, I can give a little bit and say maybe it should have been done in a little bit. The, the statement I'm with you was very passive aggressive. I understood why it was passive aggressive. I because think because this is us- just
0: carrying favour with the supporters. This is a cheap shot, so that the supporters say, "Yeah, like take that, Aubameyang, you I, overpaid." All I'm saying is, Josh, we've got an
3: Amazon documentary coming out next year, so we'll see all, the ins, <laughs> and, all the ins and outs. But for me, I think there is a certain contingent at Arsenal: the Lacazettes, the Aubameyangs of the world, the Pepe. Who have a little bit of a group there, and then there are the other players at Arsenal. I think there is a clear divide in groups, and mm. you know what's And I think I have. There's no doubt for me. At the end of the year, Lacazette will be leaving. Aubameyang maybe in January may go, or he may go on loan because that, that seems to be Arsenal's route at the moment, where they give players on loan and then give the option to buy. And Pepe maybe also be going. So I think the reason Arsenal have done it, and Arsenal have been, I'm going to take this this attack that other people are having towards him, saying oh this looks a bit weird it's because they know these players aren't going to be there
1: so Mm -hmm. you just just maybe one more thing but you've you've mentioned how I think both of you have talked about how the fact that he's not in good form and how that maybe makes it a bit easier like it's not worth persisting with this thing if he's not adding anything to the club in your mind Pukua is the fact that he wasn't in form like did that make it did that force the hand? Was that no. the decision?
3: Because you know what... For if me, he'd been
1: playing really well, if he'd just won the FA Cup, would they have done that same... Would they have taken this same action?
3: I think, unfortunately, in world, in in life, sometimes some people get special treatment. If he was playing in better form, maybe he would have, you know... Maybe would have given him a little bit more leeway. But he hasn't been in good form and he hasn't had a great attitude and hasn't looked like he wants to get better.
1: So... Doesn't that undermine the whole like cultural reform thing? If you're saying no. if you if you're good enough, and it's I, okay because
3: I no no it's not that he's good enough. I think he should if he was in better form, he still would have lost captaincy. It might not have been this loud, but he still would have lost the captaincy because your captain can't do that. But, but treating
1: players differently because they're not playing the same.
3: But clubs always treat players differently. That is that like it's not a new thing for the big players to be yep. treated differently. Sure, but there is a there is a low level standard. That has to be met, and if you are not going to meet that standard, he has to like you. Have to get rid of him. There are these little things, you know, those these little extra things that sometimes they'll get away with. But the key and the core values of the club, if they are not going to be met by the biggest name of the club, who's on the biggest money at the club, it's not even close. You have to cut the ripcord and go. Time to go.
0: Well, we've got breaking news. Apparently, um, only semi-related, but. The African Cup of Nations is, according to many multiple sources, going to be postponed imminently. So, potential compensation for for Cameroon, the hosts. Uh, Was Obamian going to go to that? He would have been. He would have been off. So, um, as an
3: actual, the only person who who Mm. actually will have watched the tournament properly (laughs) Um, has a gunner. I'm sorry, (laughs) Lockie, be honest. I I would be the one getting off of these games. I'm disappointed. I'm a little annoyed. I understand why, but also, the virus is not just in Africa. It's in a lot of countries. Well, apparently, it didn't, it didn't start in Africa. Let's be honest.
0: reading here. According to our very capable producer, Lucky Flanagan, okay, good producing uh, job today. Yeah, I would have this missed is that. what you do. You're, this just in: <laughs> the European Clubs Association has written a letter to FIFA. Such
3: a disgrace! I'm pissed. You're they
0: are to me. concerned about the well-being of players. Are
3: you kidding? I'm. I, I know this is not like. Because this, it was I know, I know. I know it's not. I know this is a football station. But sorry, the virus didn't start in Africa. South Africa just happened to be the first ones to call it out. Uh, like,
1: mm.
3: like, why are we not acting like? The Omicron virus is not in the UK currently running around. Well, you know what? This is right. This, screen. Is smoke
0: screen. Screen. this is a smokescreen. This is a smokescreen for yet- clubs to not lose no, their. you know what? It, you know what great it is, Josh? Players.
3: Yet again, it is world football disrespecting African football, and I'm not even kidding. Like it happens all the time. I on don't cont- agree. On a continuous football basis, it's the reason why with the World Cup we only get a, like we get like some of the smallest contingent of. Um, countries allowed to go, even though we provide some of the best football in the world. It's embarrassment. best isn't. fan
0: culture at the World Cups It's actually well. No,
3: you know what? It, no, genuinely, I'm actually very, very annoyed because we. why is the current EPL season going on? Why is all these big major... You know why? Because they get lots of money and it's all this glamorous stuff. Um, what's called? AFCON matters. I, I care about AFCON. My mm. dad cares about AFCON. Family, friends, we care about AFCON. Just because it's not, you know, one of the big co- tournaments in the world... That's, that's, that's ridiculous it's, it brings it back to like mm-hmm. when Jurgen Klopp he didn't mean to disrespect it but you he didn't turn disrespect the tournament when he's like he made a gesture calling it a little tournament it's not a little tournament it matters to us we care
0: yeah and the players care as well otherwise they you know they wouldn't make themselves available for it it's ridiculous
3: its a, you know what What it is what it is and they'll get postponed and then every time everyone gets mad or oh, why is AFCON going on it's such a little tournament well you know what you need our players
0: well, I'm glad we've found mm. something we're on the same page on yeah. Uh Oscar, before we go, uh, we didn't talk about the Champions League draw, the redo. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting uh, situation where Real Madrid and, and co were saying that, you know, the mistake was made before or after we were drawn out. So why do we have to redo the whole thing? Mm. I did think it was extremely funny when PSG came out for them instead of Benfica. It seemed like an (laughs) elaborate prank had just been played on Florentino (laughs) Perez specifically. Yeah. Uh, But uh, a big, big screw-up from UEFA. They've, They've fixed it on the night, thankfully. Uh, what do you think about the the matchups that have come out for these uh, these English teams, and and what do you think of Real Madrid's point of view here? Do you actually have some sympathy for them?
1: Well, I just want to say I also love the fact that it had to be redone because Manchester United couldn't be drawn against Atletico Madrid, and then Manchester United got drawn against yep. Atletico Madrid, which I think is outstanding drama. They <laughs> set it up fantastically. It seemed like <laughs> it was
0: scripted. I think they had to, you know, compete with the Formula One headlines. So, yeah. uh, you know, we could, football couldn't be out of the headlines for that long.
1: Yeah, um, do, do I have sympathy for Florentino Perez? No. Like, well, when when would I ever really have sympathy for <laughs> Florentino Perez? No. Um, I'm shocked and abhorred that Real Madrid have taken this so poorly. Um, mm. To be honest, I'm just thrilled that Inter are playing Liverpool. I think that's awesome. I yeah. think that's fantastic. So that, that, that Like, the initial draw... There were lots of kind of dud matches. It was a bit like, well, whatever. But, but There was we, also
0: Messi versus Ronaldo. There,
1: that, that was that was the Sorry. exception. So really I wonder if this is a scheme so that Messi versus Ronaldo remains a Barcelona-Real Madrid special uh, so as to to in club football. Am I right there? I hope yes, so. Yes, I think yeah. you are. So Messi-Ronaldo
0: has been played Manchester United-Barcelona uh, in the Champions League final in 2009. That's a good point. Nine.
3: Oof, good final.
0: Yeah, and I think they they might have played what each other final, another Josh? year. Um, yeah, we don't like to talk yeah. about it. And Messi scored a header. You know your defense <laughs> yeah. is broken down when Messi scores a header. That
1: anyway. was it a Champions League final, Jim. Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, that's embarrassing. Um,
3: what team yeah. did you go for, Josh?
0: <laughs> I... I Look, you, yeah. let's just say that Oscar called himself Josh's advocate before. So, mm, okay. fair, enough, fair enough. You know, you know what the that's, placeholder word there. That's was. That's
1: funny. That's good. That's good for that you. I like that. <laughs> it was so a
0: really complicated joke that didn't really land. But <laughs> to anyway. play
1: Josh's red advocate. <laughs> okay. Wink, wink, nudge, Yeah. Um, into Liverpool's great. Uh, denied Messi, Ronaldo. Get what? United, Atletico. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a weird one because, like, I don't really. They're both in strange positions, both of those clubs. Sure, um, I think getting Benfica playing Ajax is a good outcome because it means one of them gets to the quarterfinal, and I think that's exciting. So you know, I'm you know, I, I think I think that the second draw was better than the first draw. So in that sense, good. And pissing off Real Madrid is, is also okay.
0: Well, I think we'll leave it there for the EPL show. Oscar, thank you so much for your company, making your, your full debut, shall we say. <laughs> had a few off-the-bench appearances and been given a start in the first team. He was team.
3: good. He was good. First team appearance,
1: pretty good. Stop. <laughs> good
0: good review from Pakur here. Thank you for chipping on, in off the bench I've, as well, I have thoughts
3: and I'm going back
0: outside. It was our super <laughs> sub for the night. Uh, we'll sign off here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Big apology uh, if you are trying to tune into the green room earlier. We had some internet difficulties that were sadly outside our control, but... Uh, Decided to switch itself back on somehow. And uh, we're glad to be able to bring you this hour. Uh, We'll be back at the same time next week for the EPL show. Uh, No state of our football nation uh, tomorrow. Uh, Yours truly has has commitments, so I do apologize for that as well. But we will be back on Monday for our last week of shows before we break for Christmas. Until then, it is goodbye for now.